Did you know you only really need six people to build your entire real estate career? Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer and author Patrick Kilner. He's going to teach you why you only need six people in your life to build your entire real estate practice. But before we get to Patrick, the best way that you can help us continue to thrive and grow is by telling another realtor about this show. Please do that. You can send them over to our website, Keeping It realpod.com. Every episode could be streamed there or just have them pull up a podcast app, search for keeping it real and hit that subscribe button. And also if you could just take a moment and review our show on whatever podcast app you're using, we would so much appreciate it. It helps us. We read all those reviews and it helps us really make changes and getting better and better meeting your needs. So please do that if you have a, a spare second, but enough about me. Let's get on to the main event. My interview with Patrick Kilner. Today on the show, we have Patrick Kilner from Kilner and Kirk Group in Maryland. Well, let me tell you about Pat. Now, Pat Kilner is an 18-year veteran of the real estate industry and is also the founder and CEO of Kilner and Kirk Real Estate. Now, Kilner and Kirk is one of few, very few teams nationally, and this is amazing, to have total lifetime sales wait, pregnant pause, dramatic pause of over $2 billion, $2 billion. Pat's team has done between 70 million and 100 million in volume every year for the past 10 years without Pat going to a single appointment. I'm going to say that again, 70 million to 100 million in volume over the past 10 years per year without Pat ever going to an appointment. Now, Pat also has a brand new book, which is called Find Your Six, Stop Lead Generating and Start Building Influence, which debuted as a number one new release on Amazon. We encourage everyone to go out and purchase this book. In fact, we have a link to the Amazon page right in our show notes. So please go take a look at Find Your Six and learn more about the book and everything related to Pat Kilner at findyoursix.com. And that's find your S-I-X spelled out, findyoursix.com. That link is also in our show notes um, for the podcast episode here. So Pat, thank, welcome to the show. DJ, it's great to be here. 
Pat and I were talking uh, just before we got on and I could feel like I could talk to Pat all day. And I, uh, I apologize because I was, I was running a little bit late uh, and Pat was um, Pat is just such an enjoyable guy. So I'm really excited to, to learn more about you. Um, so let's, let's start at the beginning before you had all this amazing, wild success. Um, how did you get started in real estate? First of all, yeah. Why real estate? And then how did you get started? I think like most really good things, you know, real estate sort of found me. They say like uh, you, when you get into writing books, right? They say a book finds you. Well, real estate yeah. I think found me as well, and I, I would say quite accidentally. Really, I was doing the post grad school. I was just back from grad school and and trying to figure out what to do with myself, and handing my resume out to everybody that I knew. My dad said, "You got to go talk to this guy. He could run for the mayor of this town, right? That, that you know, local town here. He knows everybody, and so you got to go talk to him." So I went in and talked to Rory, and I said, "Rory, here's what I do, and you know, I I, I speak Spanish. I, I I lived in Spain for three years, did my master's there, and and you know, and I've got a master's degree in economics, and you know, all this stuff. And so here's my my curriculum vitae. Like, who can you introduce me to? And he goes. You know, why don't you come work for me? And it turns out that uh, Rory had his own brokerage, his own small boutique brokerage. And you had and never thought about real estate. I had not to that point. I had not thought about real estate. Um, but I, you know, my dad was was planting some seeds, and my dad had said to me a, a few weeks prior to that, you know, Pat, my only recommendation to you, because I have not done this, and here's what I've seen in terms of success, is to get into an industry that you can envision yourself being in for the next 30 plus years. Yeah. Because the people who I know who have been in the same industry for extended periods of time, they're the people who do the best by their family financially. They're the ones really doing super well in their 40s or 50s and their 60s because they've, they've run that race and, and they've, they've developed themselves and their, their cachet, if you will, in that industry. And so if I could go back and do anything else, that's what I would do. By the way, you should go talk to this, this person, this person, this person, and this person, and Rory was one of those. So I didn't have a better offer on the table. I was newly married um, and feeling pretty humbled by a really tough job market at the time, it's early 2000s, um, and said, what the heck? Go, I'll go get my real estate license. Little did I know the market that I was getting into. It was totally insane. This was what was building up to the mortgage crisis. Sure. Anybody could buy a house. Interest only loans. Interest only, uh, yeah. no doc, right? Like right. you walk in here, if you can fog a mirror, we will give you a house, even though you can't get into that rental down the street, right? So right. it was totally nuts. And of course, you don't know anything. You get into the into the business and you're like, oh, this this must this be great. how business is. Yeah. So you can talk to anybody and everybody wants to buy a house because it seems like the thing to do. And those are the days when, you know, four or five times more inventory is on the market than is on today in the DC metro area. And so there's plenty of homes and there's even more people who want to buy homes. So that's the that's the market that I got into. Um tried my head, hand at some commercial because I didn't know which way I wanted to go. I didn't have a good mentor initially either. And, um, and so that, that's, I got in and, um, and struggled really, really, I mean, it was really tough first couple of years. Um, I remember my wife saying to me like, Hey, if this is real estate and this is a stress level you have to have, I think you need to go find something else. You're really well yeah. qualified for other things. Um, so it's not all 
you know, coming up daisies right away. Yeah, because and I don't mean to to interrupt you, but but with your background and your sort of the pedigree that you have, and and the, I mean, I'm thinking consultant. I'm thinking, uh, you know, middle management, uh, finance right away, or, or some working at a corporation doing. I mean, you're an economics guy and a finance guy, so seems like you'd fit very nicely into the corporate world and just sort of, you know, uh, doing going that route and uh, didn't. I, didn't I go wish. That way. I wish you would have talk to me back when I was 25. Um, but I didn't, you know, and serendipitously, I am so glad, by the way, that yeah. I got into real estate. This has been an amazing career, but it's a very odd. I remember telling my friends who I had just graduated with what I was doing. They're like, really? You're getting right. into residential real estate? Like, right. that's what my mom did after we all, you know, like, you know, went to college, went to school, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, yeah. So that's, you know, this is this is 18 years ago as well. I think that the industry has changed. I think for the better in in acquiring young talent into the industry earlier on, um, and 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 that I think I think it's a really really great thing to get into. But you eat what you kill in this industry. You've got to go out there and make it happen. And so um, that was uh, that was where a lot of the stress came from initially. Sure. Hey, you're perfectly qualified to go get a job that can pay this mortgage. Can we please pay the mortgage, right? You know, and and that's that's how I think a lot of us start, right? And 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 fighting Absolutely. against that, and you you move from from survival to some stability, and then stability builds on stability. And what I've realized in this industry is that you create your own stability, and and you know here in D.C. We, we've got all sorts of amazing fields that people get into, and I've seen plenty of those people who thought they were perfectly fine. Their, their job was as solid as it could possibly come, especially you know, government, right? Jobs or government related jobs. And all of a sudden they're looking for a job. So we create our own stability and I wouldn't trade the stability that, that I've been able to create in this industry for the world. The freedom also that you get to, um, to enjoy. And I don't mean that you don't work hard because of course you do. And you work arguably, not even arguably, inarguably harder uh, as a solo practitioner or as your own sort of entity in, in real estate. Um, and certainly as, as you have a company and you have to manage and you now have to do a lots of different things. But um, I, I would be curious, do you find that yeah, yes, maybe the financially it would have been not as advantageous to stay at a, uh, you know, do a more traditional corporate job, finance or economics or, or something uh, during that sort of that, that path, but a lot of stability, probably a um, lot of like, uh, you know, I go home at a certain time, I don't, I can turn it off. Um, but, and I get to retire at a certain age and maybe I get to retire at 60, 65. I have friends who are in the, been in corporate finance and they're retiring in their fifties and they don't, I don't think they're in love so much with, with their profession or the company they work for, but it doesn't seem to be as stressful. Um, so, so there is a bit of a trade-off, but, um, but I think the freedom, sort of an ironic freedom, you, yes, you get freedom around your schedule, but just economic freedom is so much better when you really fully commit to real estate. If you, if you figure out a way to turn it into an actual business, as opposed to just a job that you're sort of punching a clock and working with the next client and just kind of starting over at the beginning of the month. Um, so I'm curious on, on your thoughts about, about the freedom that you've now enjoyed. Yes. Tremendous yeah. stress, but also tremendous freedom. Yeah, well, there's no there's no situation in which I would have been able to write a book um, if I didn't have the freedom that that building a business, and in, in particular in real estate, has allowed me to. 
right? So I, because I am no longer client facing, it allows me to be far more creative and to use a lot of the economics that I, that I, you know, still have and, and, and enjoy using it and the research side of things that, that I enjoy deeply. Um, so yeah, there's, there's tremendous freedom in that. And I think there's, you know, there, there's sort of three types of agents. There's, you know, solo agents. Um, there's agents who talk about having a business who are really running a really big practice because mm -hmm. you get hit by a bus, all of it's a sudden over. the business yeah. is gone. So the, to my mind, that's not really a business. That's a really profitable practice oftentimes. And that's what most people have. And then there's very few who have a business, meaning you get hit by a bus and the business keeps creating revenue without you. And that's, that's the, so at different levels, you enjoy different levels of freedom. And so, uh, you know, before I was, I was running a business truly, there's no way I would have been able to write a, write a book. I could do a lot of other things. Um, I'd say my, the freedom as a father, um, the freedom to be able to spend time um, and, and to be creative about when I use my time as dad and as husband has been immense and, and tremendously fruitful. And, but I'm really competitive. So I had to teach myself that through the school of hard knocks to prioritize family over this business sure. as well. Cause I, 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 as we all know, that can, it can become an obsession. Yeah, it, it, it can. Um, and I always think too, freedom comes through like discipline and structure, oddly enough, sort of counterintuitively. 100%. I know that, yeah, like I, uh, I just got back from the gym. I talk about this a lot on the show because I oftentimes schedule uh, interviews right after I get back from the gym. So it's just fresh in my mind. So I apologize for our listeners for talking, giving That's why your energy metaphor. level is so good when you're- uh, Maybe, <laughs> or I'm just, uh, you know, wildly- um, you know, have some sort of chemical imbalance either way <laughs> could, could be that. Uh, but, but either way, um, but yeah, thank you. Uh, but what I will say about, about the gym is I struggled with going to the gym and I just use this as a metaphor for people to maybe think about, uh, different habits that they want in their life, that they find it very hard to, to adopt mm -hmm. things that we all know we should do. And we don't do uh, going to the gym for me has always been a struggle. I just don't like it. It's, it's painful. I, I, I just, you know, not doesn't, isn't something that I would ever choose to do, which is funny because I've tried to get myself to do it for years and years. And it wasn't until I hired a trainer, which was is very expensive, crazy expensive, and really kind of a bummer to write the check every month, but it gets me to the gym. And through that structure for the last two years, we just, she and I just, we just realized we'd been doing it for two years. I haven't missed one, one time. And wow. I am telling you, I'm 46 for up until 44, uh, I would have been like, I know I should go to the gym and I'm kind of beating myself up that I don't, but I just wouldn't. And so because I have that structure in place where I just have a standing appointment with her three times a week, I never have to think about it again. I don't, right. I, I have to go there and do the work and that's the, that's, that sucks, but I don't have to think about it. I just have to go. And because I have somebody else who's going to show up and she's going to charge me whether I'm there or not, I better show up. And it's so expensive that there's no way I'm not showing up. So, <laughs> so oddly, yes, it sucks to pay for it because God, I can't even, I don't even want to, I'd be embarrassed to tell you how much it costs. But, but the reality of it is, I can't do it on my own. And so that actually is like, oh, it's actually like weight off of my mind. I don't have to think about it. So, I'm well, only what's, what's the deal. opportunity cost to you, your long-term health of not yeah, paying that money? I have more right? energy. Yeah, no, it all logically it all makes sense. So for sure, it's like, but 
I just don't have to struggle with the beating myself up because I didn't go. Do you know what I mean? So, so I, I think what, what a lot of times agents think about is they struggle with structure. And of course, mm -hmm. of course they do. There's no structure in place for an agent unless they have a coach or they have a great trainer or a great brokerage that really helps them, or they're just naturally good at it. Or because most of us, you know, I think real estate is so up, so much a personality, uh, a sort of uh, ex extroverted for most people. I think they like hanging out with people and, and being of service. And those are all great qualities that don't always, um, aren't always the same qualities that, that are good for structure. And so, um, I think, you know, if there's one thing we've learned after all these years on the show is, is creating structure has just been really helpful to actually give people more freedom, ironically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's your, one of the first things I'll, I'll ask folks as we're looking to onboard, um, is what time do you wake up in the morning? Yeah. And, and you know, okay. What's, what are the first few hours of your day look like? Right. Just talk, walk me through that. Not a Saturday, like a work day. What does it look like? What are your, cause you know, somebody's priorities by what they put earlier in the day, hopefully, right. Is it checking Facebook or is it, you know, are you getting to the gym or are you, you know, is there meditation? Is there whatever it is, right? Are you hydrating? Whatever it is that you need to do in order to click into a high, really high performing productivity, because nobody else is going to tell you in this business when to be somewhere. Right. And so you need to have that, that discipline yourself. And that starts literally from the time you wake up. And so, you know, the next question is, okay, what, what time do you get to bed? Right. <laughs> so, cause if, if, if that's, what's your ideal day look like? You're waking up at six in the morning. Okay. Well, what time do you have to get to bed in order to do that consistently? Oh, I don't need sleep. Okay. Let's see how long that lasts. So it's, it's a, yeah, the, the beauty of this is the freedom and the Achilles heel is the freedom if right. you don't use it well, for sure. Let's talk about the book because I am so excited about this book and um, Thank you. this I really am. And I, I haven't unfortunately had the chance to, to read it yet. So I apologize to our audience, but that's what you're here to talk about. So I want to first, and again, remind people, the name of the book is called Find Your Six. And the idea behind it is to stop doing as much lead generation and start doing a little bit more influence. I guess we would say um, sort of uh, proactive uh, marketing versus um, versus attraction, being creating so much value that that people are just instantly or, or over time attracted to want to work with you. I, I remember when I was a financial advisor many, a million years ago, uh, I heard one of the top um, real uh, start financial advisors in our office who had been doing it 30 years says, if you have to ask for the sale, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm. Um, and if, if you do it right, people go, how do I sign up? How do I give you all of my money to, to invest? And I thought, well, that's easy for you. You've been doing this 30 years. He's like, no, you just have to be good. You have to know what you're doing and you have to actually be providing value. But let's talk about the book. Tell us what, what it's about and, and how, how agents can start thinking differently about, about influence. Yeah, and this is very much a real estate book. I mean, this is through the blood, sweat, and tears of of really figuring out how to get through the crash of 2008-2009. And that's sort of where I start with the book. Um, so let's back up for a second. I became very interested in what made really high performers excellent at their careers. And so I began interviewing people who had been going at their careers well into their 60s, sort of, you know, in the twilight of their careers for the most part. And I found the 60 most successful people I could possibly find 
all very high performers across different industries. And I interviewed them and I said, you know, I'm curious, I want to understand who have been the people who have been fundamental to your success over the course of your career. Let's talk about that story arc of your career. And we talked as long as it took them. And I took copious notes and I recorded the interviews. And at the end of those 60 interviews, what I realized is that the average number of wildly influential relationships to them that had made their careers what they were, were just six. It wasn't 600, it wasn't 6,000, it wasn't a million, right? It wasn't like, how many Facebook followers did you have, right? That didn't matter. What mattered was a handful of really amazing vision aligned relationships that in many ways, they almost felt like this is just total serendipity. How did I happen across them? And so hence the six, that's, that's, that's why find your six There's oftentimes why people ask, you know, one of the first things they'll, they'll say is why, why find your six. And when I first got in the business, the first thing that was told to me is that no leads, no business. Right. And we all, there you go. We're in lead I have a column still in my chart of accounts that is lead generation spending, right? And I'm like, I, I wrote a book basically condemning the concept of lead generation. But, um, but, but we, that's how ubiquitous it is. What's really interesting is that we've only begun speaking about lead generation. We, that, that word, we've only started using that since the, 1976. We didn't actually talk about acquisition of new relationships as leads, right? Those incredible relationships that we have the honor in real estate to work with as leads. We, we, we started, we shifted and all of a sudden, and most industries did by the way, financial industry, right? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? That's 1980s. All these things, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, 1980s, 1990s, right? All of this comes out of a lead generation mindset, which is basically people's, the, the relationship between us and the consumer is a commodity. And we just right. need as many of those as possible sure. to do as much business as possible. Go it's knock doors. Yeah. It's a numbers game. Knock doors, pound phones, whatever it is. And I did all of that as a new agent. Sure. And I was getting awards. My, my broker was like, hey, this is great young guy. My gosh, like, you know, there's people I wish they've been, they've been in this business for 20, 30 years. I wish they could produce as much as you. And I'm like, wow, I hate this. This is, this is soul stripping work. Right. I if I have to knock on another door, I think I'll just change careers. And it wasn't that I just didn't like it. It's just that I wasn't having the type of relationships with those types of folks that I was having when people would refer me. People who trusted me implicitly would refer me. Totally and different. Not, and not just because it's easier to get the, the, the referral clients. I, I want to make that point clear mm -hmm. because of course it's of course it's easier in a sense um but it, it's a better culture fit for you because those are people who are probably very similar to the uh even if they didn't automatically know you from a friend of theirs which of course is great um you're not uh there's some sort of inherent sort of similarity of sorts with that previous client right. that is likely to be a, a fit uh, personality wise, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's a question of longevity in this business. Like if you're going to do this for 20, 30 years, as my dad, you know, said I should do or more, what kind of, what kind of business development do you really want to do? Right. Do you want to be the guy knocking on doors? Right. So 
I, I remember asking, a, I was teaching a class, some of my own agents, some other business owners, and I remember saying, okay, we're halfway through the year. Let's talk about your business plan. You know, what was your goal at the beginning of the year? You're here, you know, six months in, what's the gap between where you are, where you want to be? And they all wrote that down. And then I said, okay, what lead generation tactic do you have in your back pocket that you're going to use be, for the next six months to bridge that gap? Yeah. And they all wrote that down. And then I said, you know, this, this is where it sort of struck me. I was just curious because I was starting to research the book. I said, now, those of you who wrote that down, all of you, how many of you would be deeply excited to do that, that tactic every day, two hours a day, five days a week for the next three years or five years? Not a hand. 40 right. people in like, the room, not a hand. We, we know that it, it, it can work because yeah. people have done it and we're not going to debate whether it works or not. We're just going to say, do, let's assume it works. And are you going to be a happy person doing this? Yeah. yeah. And, and not a hand. I mean, some very accomplished people, right? Yeah. And I was like, wow, there's something wrong with the way we think about business development. It's, it's like, it's drudgery. What if, what if you could come up with a way that you could do business development for the next 20 years and be excited to do it every single day? What would, what would that do to your business? What would that do to just how you show up to your family? That's, that's the essence of find your six. And to me, if you can do business in a way that, that allows you to ha really have great joy at this game, well then, you know, you're living a much, much fuller life. As far as I know, we only get one shot at this. What's also really interesting is, well, who does, who does lead generation better than anybody? Right? Who, who produces more leads? Or maybe a better question is, who do you pay for your leads? Right. Yeah. As you say, uh, Zillow, OpCity, Redfin. Exactly. Um, th these these are lead corporate. These are lead companies, and and that's not a, a a pejorative term. It's it's not negative. It's just the truth. I I I came from a background prior to this where we generated. Uh, we were in the health insurance. Uh, lead space essentially. And we were generating 15,000 health insurance leads a day, people who needed to buy health insurance, realtors wow. oftentimes were in that, that group. And, <laughs> and so I was in the lead gen business and, and that's what Zillow and, and, op, and, and again, that's a good thing that that's what they do. Um, it's an amazing so, yeah. mousetrap. It's better than anything you could possibly build on your own. They got, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, you're not, you're not going to compete. <laughs> I got into the business, oddly enough, the same year that Zillow got into the business. <laughs> right. This is before um, the brokers had IDX agreements, right? Sure. So, um, so not not all of the MLS data was shared across everybody everybody's um, uh, you know websites. Websites, yeah. So, so the world has changed significantly in the last eighteen years. But, I mean, how many travel agents do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's still a few. Cause I, once in a while I'll drive by, uh, you know, a, a storefront that says it. I'm like, Hey, look at that. Uh, right. I've never met one and I don't know if there's anyone in that, in that building, but yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty much gone there, away. There, that used to be a thing, right? Like people oh, would, Oh, I'm thing. a tra travel agent. You know, there was, it was, it was multiple hundreds of thousands of people in the travel agency business making, making good making livings, fantastic livings gone, relatively gone. The only people who are left are people who have niche relationships yeah. that you can't get by going onto Travelocity. Right. And that's why you use them. If we are as agents not figuring out how to disruption proof our business development, 
Zillow's going to eat your lunch. Of course. Absolutely. And, because and, and by the way, that makes sense because what they provide, and I know people have very strong feelings, positive and negative about Zillow, and I'm not here to take any side at all. Um, but th there is a sense of they're taking something from me. And my thought has always been probably not. If, if you're a, if you're an agent that provides exceptional value, that's not what they do. Um, they, they provide value for looking at homes and connecting you with an agent who wants to get your business. They're good at that. They're excellent. They're the best at it. Um, but are they good at walking somebody all the way through the process of home ownership or, or selling a property? No, that's not what they do. They're a lead company. So that's not their forte. And thank goodness, <laughs> thank right. God they haven't cracked that code because it means that the realtor is still front and center and, and absolutely important for every step of the transaction. A hundred percent. And, but if you find yourself in your in your your drive home from showing that house wondering how you can compete with zillow you're probably doing the wrong type of business development yeah. and lead generation is just a blip on the radar screen historically in the history of how people have generated business right so what i really wanted to know when i wrote this book was I wanted to talk to people who had weathered their own disruptions in their own industries and pretty much every service industry we know of and every goods industry we know of has been disrupted in the last 40 sure. years. So I figured let's go talk to those people in different industries and figure out who are the people that have made them disruption proof. Because that's really what, when you find the right people who refer you business, who can only think of you as their agent, you don't need a ton of them. I've built a pretty darn good business with just a handful of amazing relationships but we are not practiced at finding those relationships. So I, the, the thought process here and what I realized about sort of my own journey was that I was fortunate enough to find my six in a very short period of time, which is why I was able to survive 2008, 2009. Um, and, and as I talked to these folks, what I realized is they were all talking about the same characteristics of the talent that they were looking for to affiliate themselves with. So you're no longer in a, in a lead generation business, you're in a talent business. And if you can find the right talent to align yourself with, it's game over. And Zillow yeah. is not in that business. Right. And, and nor are they interested in that business. They're, they're interested in capturing people who are searching online and they become the search engine and they capture that person's information and sell it. And, and that right. that's, that's, and that's not a bad thing. It, and it doesn't really it doesn't compete with a realtor who it provides tremendous value it's just a totally different world probably a different client as well amen couldn't agree more and you know gosh nar numbers have only gone up since the inception of of zillow so you know there's plenty of agents getting into this business simultaneous with the growth of of lead generation you know outfits like like zillow um, it, it, it is funny too when when Zillow had its its uh, they you know they've had some some poor press in the last year with their home their their iBuyer program and all, mm -hmm. all of that and and what's interesting is when you go to and, and I love Lab Code agents as a community I think mm -hmm. it's excellent I love those guys they've been on our show awesome, really man. nothing but love for, for Lab Code agents and what they've built is like beyond amazing everybody should go subscribe to that Facebook group um, they've got one hundred and fifty thousand agents in it anyway but when that news happened it. Was 
was depressing to me because I saw nothing but glee and joy from people saying, ha ha, Zillow, screw you. You've been screwing me over for years. And it's like, really? Like that's, and, and these are probably some really successful agents. And it was just flooded with thousands of comments. And I was like, huh, I, I actually feel bad for Zillow because I don't think of them. I actually know a lot of people who work there. I feel bad. Like, are you okay? Is it, you know, and, and uh, it's interesting. I never thought of them as competition. Well. I mean, and you talk about, talk about disruption, right? Zillow's yeah. are just a disruptor. That's right? it. And, and, and thank God we live in a, in a, in an era where there can be disruption to industries. That's how business gets better. Like from an economic standpoint, the way that, that we actually get better is to have competition and people coming in and going, eh, really, is that really why we're, what, what your value is? Like if your value is finding the house. I mean, come on. No, you're you're a negotiation expert. You're a marketing guru. You are you're much more than just somebody who who had a bunch of houses back here that I'm not going to show you unless you sign my paperwork. Well, that's a silly proposition, and the right. consumer should see that as completely absurd. Versus, I am a fiduciary who's going to guide your decision making, such that once we're done with this, you won't you won't you won't believe how fortunate you were that I was in your corner. And yep. you'll think to yourself and you'll refer me by saying, you know, the cost of not having DJ in that deal was not just monetary because it was, he's worth much more than I would have ever paid. I could have ever paid for him, but it was also a place where our family lives now and a place where we create mem memories. And that's where we sit as agents. And if we confuse that with, what we're actually supposed to be doing, then then I think we're we're in for a world of hurt. Um, but I think that's why people get into this business. They really deeply want to want to be sit in that in that chair with that family, and which is a place of real honor and 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 tremendous dignity for both the person giving that type of service and the person receiving it. That's something that tech can't do and won't ever be able to do. Right. So. The question is, and this is what I was most curious about, is I want, I want to be referred that way every single time. What would that look like? What would that feel like? How much, how much less can I spend on lead generation and more on client service and more on a few really important relationships? And so that's where, that's where I, I take things in the book. And the book is really just, here's, Here's how to understand the talent that you're looking for. And then here's systematically how to go find them as well. And that's the last part of the book. The last and when we're talking about talent, we're talking about finding your six, finding your, your, those, those few, uh, we'll say, um, uh, shallow, but deep water, right? So what we're, we're wanting is we're wanting a very specific, uh, type of relationship, uh, which is which there's a process to, to finding Absolutely. these people, your case, you interviewed people, you, you sort of went the uh, Napoleon Hill route from the old think and grow rich from a million yeah. years ago, a uh, hundred years ago, which was about, he did the same thing. He went out and interviewed like the hundred most successful people in, in the world at that time or the country and, and learned uh, a lot and then realized, Oh, there's a, there's a series of, of principles here that seem to apply to everybody. And let's write a book about it. And it's become probably the best selling self-help book of all time. Yep. Um, as a result, so, so even if, 
even if all you did was go out and interview all these successful people that you admire, did you find that your six were among the 50 that you interviewed or were they different relationships? Because I know that you've got the idea of, oh, all of these really successful people have six relationships or, or seemingly have these six important cornerstone, cornerstone relationships. Did any of those people end up becoming part of your six? It's a great question. So, um, yes, a few. And, and I kind of go through the math of it. So look, I'm running a business simultaneous to writing a book. I need, I need a lot of this to, I, I can't just do the book, right? I've, I've got a, I've got a business and, and books, by the way, don't make you any money. So, um, <laughs> so yes, I mean, it was part, partially that, um, you're really investing into relationships, you know, and, Frankly, you know, if you did that once a day, you had one great meeting with somebody who could be a candidate for your top of the, you know, I, I have I, I have a, a paradigm in here called the the, um, the influencer pyramid. And so most of the people that you know are not going to be wildly influential for your business. The problem is a lead generation mindset will tell us, everybody you know, go and put them in your database and like, and you're just gonna you're gonna hit them as smile hard as and you dial. Can, you're gonna hit them yeah. once a month with this and that and the other thing. Well, the reality is, they don't want to hear from you that much, and most of those people are not going to be influential enough. So once you understand the talent that you're looking for, you're not going to go spend time with people at the bottom of the pyramid, or that much time with people in the middle of the pyramid. You're only going to go focus on people who are candidates for the top of the pyramid. The top of the pyramid is where your six reside, and so. You know, who, who did I find, you know, let, let's, let's sort of take the gloves off for a real estate audience. I talk to audiences who are not in real estate, but like, who should we be looking for? You know, who are the people, you know, for us in the DC metro area, um, some of my biggest sort of people who rose to the top of my, my influencer pyramid have been, I, I had a great relationship early on and it was, I was just so amazed at this one, great tax attorney. And, and he did business law and tax and he was a connector. And so he connected me to all sorts of other great people. Um, he, he, he came to me and, and we did events together and he'd bring his, his best people and I'd bring my best people and we'd network everybody together. Um, and he sent me, gosh, he'd send me eight, 10 deals a year. And that's huge. Yeah. So if you, you know, think about if you had six people who send you 10 deals a year, I mean, you know, that's uh, most agents would like lose their mind. You're a top 1% producer at that. Absolutely. Point. So that's the type of relationship I'm looking for. We found this in some builder relationships. Sure. Right. Makes sense. There's a lot of, think about the top people in almost any market. They have some really great builder relationships, whether it's infill builders or people on raw, fresh dirt, you know, and, and, and they're talking to you, the NARs of the world. That was, that was a game changer for us. And, and so we went specifically looking for the type of talent they were looking for in that sphere. I, I oftentimes talk to, talk to agents and they're like, so I've got this guy and I've been working on him for years. And it's just, I, I, he could be so huge for my business. Well, if you've been working for years and there's not enough vision alignment with where you want to go and you're not providing enough value for that person to see you as a consummate professional that they would refer over the other 20 real estate agents that they know, then move on. But unless you're in the game of talent, I mean, you guys, you are in the game of talent 
in your brokerage, right? Every single day, you're having conversations. You're looking for the right people, the right fit. There's got to be a vision alignment. There's got to be people who are who 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 value what you value, yep. and um, and and once you know that there's that cultural fit, they'll tell their friends about you. They'll be excited about it, and so there, there's a natural build that happens. That's what happens when you find your six as well. Well, I I you know I know we're we're closing in on the end here, and I wish we weren't because I would like to continue talking about this. But it's a great sort of place to remind everybody. This is why he wrote a book. So go get this book. And, and honestly, this is such a unique idea. It, it, it's it's not uh, something that look. I've I've been doing this show. We've done three hundred and fifty something episodes. Um, <laughs> I have yet to really have this particular conversation around. Yes, we we talk about marketing and branding, and really what we're talking about is branding to our sphere of influence, our database. And generally speaking, the the way that that most agents, even top one percent agents, do it is yes, and of course they value all their relationships. And I'm in, again, in no way uh, criticizing this. But what they'll do is is they have a, a system. There's there's maybe there's mailers that go out. There's there's emails, maybe a text. There's some social media postings. Um, th th there's a lot of that, but it's kind of blanketed across, you know, possibly hundreds of, of people. And again, it works to a degree. It works. You, you do get referrals that way, but it is time intensive. It's energy intensive. It's not as personalized. Um, and it, it doesn't, uh, it's not really an attraction model. It's more of a fishing model. I'm going to cast my net and, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's, it's of course a perfectly fine strategy and it absolutely works. But this idea of, of attract, I'll tell, I want to give you this uh, because I want to hear Patrick's take on this. This is uh, something I heard of. It blew my mind 21 years ago. I was a financial advisor and I heard we, we, they had hired this, these guys from Merrill Lynch to come over and tell us this. They had written a book and they said, here's what you need to do. Uh, and I, I know you're going to love this. Um, and I, it was the scariest idea to me at the time I was a young kid. They said, uh, go find the client, you know, whatever clients you have in your business and, and the ones you really like, the ones that you think are just really cool, great, great people, somewhat influential, but whatever, they're just good, good human beings and they like you. So we take them out for coffee and say, Hey, I, I am trying to work on my marketing for this next year. I want to work with people just like you. However, I, I'm not totally sure how to get in front of more people like you. Do you have any advice about what you might do if you were me? And, and it, it's like, well, that's just so brilliant. And, and you know, you'll do that. And some people will say, I don't know, uh, you know, I, don't, I can't. And then, okay, fine. But some people will be like, oh man, you need to come hang out with me at such and such place. All my buddies are going to be there and you're awesome. And we'd love to, you know, and you're not asking people for referrals. You're not asking them for business. You're just saying, can you help me? And I'm curious to get your take on that because it sounds like that is very synergistic with, with what you're talking about. It's foundational. And yeah, there's, when you ask for advice the right way, you almost never get rejected. It's the most flattering thing you can ask of right. anyone. When was the last time somebody said, DJ, never. can I please, you know, you don't, you don't get offended. You say, wow, I'd love to, you might be really busy. You might have to kick it back. The busier people sure. will be, okay, that meeting's going to be in a month, but that's fine. Let's put it on the calendar, right? Oh, they missed because they were too busy. Schedule it again. Now they feel like they, they owe you one. Great. Go, go do that. So I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that idea. I, I speak to that chapter, chapter four of my book talks about how to make the ask, 
to it. get in front of people because we are actually unpracticed at this. Yeah, totally. We spend a lot of time behind screens and we're really good at concocting just the right thing to put on that screen. We're really bad at, at getting people just to meet with us face-to-face, especially post-COVID, right? Face-to-face, person-to-person and connecting deeply with people, authentically with people and not sounding like you're pitching and actually never pitching. Um, and so, yes, I, I love that. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that, that I, that I talk about in the book is yes, this, this really is a high leverage activity, but you're going to spend about as much time on this as you would on your other lead generation strategies. You're just going to enjoy it a whole lot more. So it's going to feel that much. Why? Because we're human beings and we enjoy more personal communication and, and, and connection with people, but your job is not actually to go and make the sale. Your job is to figure out on a daily basis, who can I meet with? Who did I meet with? And what's the result of that? What's, what's the next step? And what great people, imagine you're doing this every day, one, one a day, you're doing this every day. You're gonna have an amazing, you know, old school word, Rolodex of people that you are, you're, you're in the mix with. And so what great people can you connect every day? When you become a connector of other great people, you're actually, what you're doing is distributing wisdom. What do, you know, it's like what, what to get the guy who has everything, the most successful people you know, what do they trade in? They trade in wisdom. They don't trade in like knowledge, stuff that you can Google yeah. or read. Wisdom and relationships, all of that. Absolutely. And the best way to transfer wisdom is through great minds. If you're the connector of great minds in your industry and you're doing that authentically and you're, you're really looking out for people, guess who they're going to think, think about when they think about real estate? They'll say to you, and this is, I always, as I, as I started to get good at this, what I realized is what I wanted people to say when they walked away from me is, wow, I've spent a lot of time with real estate agents. I've never had a real estate agent who thinks like that. And everybody can do that because nobody thinks like you, right? But if you're in the game of business and you're having deep relationships with people, that's unique in and of itself. Now, if you're talking to them about things that matter to them and you're helping them solve those problems, you're going to build a really big business. You know, it's, it's, it, it is that simple, but you have to be in that, in that game. And that's, that's a numbers game, right? So one a day after a, a number of weeks, you know, number of months, you have 200 meetings a year. So there, in some ways there's a numbers game of those 200, you'll find six, no problem. Do this for six months to a year. You'll utterly change the trajectory of your business over the next 12 months. I couldn't agree more. And it's a good reminder for me, uh, as you're talking, my wheels are spinning, uh, because, um, we are, I'm in the hunting mode of attracting realtors to our firm. So how do we do that? We cold call, we send email, we, um, well, we don't send, uh, unsolicited email or text, but, but we, we, we're, we're constantly fishing. Hey, we're throwing right. our line out there. We want you to join us, which is typically how recruiting works, um, in this industry. Um, and I am like, I've been doing it for 12 years and we have 800 agents here and I'm exhausted. And it's an and amazing so, number, by the way, that's thank tremendous. you. Well, it's, it's, it's fun. And I'm in no way complaining. However, uh, it is time for me to find my six. And so if I 
12 years in need to do that. And by the way, I need to do it for this podcast too. It's not just in my real estate business. So I'm going to employ these tactics. I want everyone to go out and purchase this book. Guys, at the very least, you're out, what, 10 bucks and and uh, uh, you, you've done something for your personal development. And at best, you've completely changed your whole idea of branding, marketing, and relationship building. So the book is called Find Your Six, uh, moving away from from you know traditional lead generation tactics to, to more influencer attraction model. And of course, it's all through value. Patrick is clearly a, a, a very authentic, uh, solid guy who has a lot to share. And again, he didn't write this book to get rich because you can't do that. He is doing it to give back to the industry. So let's support him. Let's go out and get the book. Visit his website, findyoursix.com. And uh, we'll have a link, of course, to the, to the Amazon page. Page right on our um, on, on our show notes as well. But go to Find Your Six, subscribe to his mailing list, and get updated with everything because he uh, really has a lot of thoughts and, and opinions about. And by the way, his his company has sold over two billion in real estate uh, in, a, in not in not that long of a time period, where they're averaging you know hundred million plus uh, per year or so. So th this this is a guy you want to listen to and you want to subscribe to, and 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 he's a good guy. Um, so let's let's. Uh, Let's make Patrick part of our six for now, and let's let's go subscribe and get his book. So findyoursix.com is the place to go. I'd love to have Patrick back on our show in the future because he's got a lot of a lot of ideas that I think our audience needs to hear. So uh, please let us know if you want to keep hearing Patrick's voice. Although I already know the answer is yes, but uh, we'll we'll keep reminding Patrick to come back on. But uh, before we before we log off real quickly, if everyone could do just one quick thing for us, which is to tell a friend, think of one other realtor that you know that could benefit, that needs to hear, who's struggling with their marketing, struggling with maybe right now the season is slowing a little bit. Uh, this is a good time to you know reach out and tell them about our show and send them a link to this episode. So send them over to keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've ever done is there. I think we just, we have 350 something episodes go through the archives, tell a friend, it would really help us out and also leave us a review. Wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, just let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a whatever star review and it helps us improve and also get in front of more people. But on behalf of Patrick and myself, we thank everyone for being on the, for listening and, and or watching. And on behalf of the audience and myself, boy, we really thank Patrick. He doesn't have this kind of time to come on a show. He's, he's managing a huge team, a huge company. We didn't even talk about his business, um, but everyone go out to findyoursix.com and that's S-I-X, not the number six. So findyoursix.com and buy the book and then report back on how it's working. And we'll have Patrick back on the show very soon. Patrick, thank you very much. DJ, it's been a pleasure and thank you for what you're doing for our industry as well. Thank you. See everyone on the next episode.